Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day. Stay at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast that you're listening to right now. Thank you so much. Called Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It is a daily podcast, 365 days a year. And each day we talk to an author about all of the things related to their career, their book, their life, and more in 30 minutes or less, because who has time? I am now an author myself, although I wasn't when I started this podcast, and you can get my new memoir, Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, wherever books are sold starting July 1st, and my children's book, Princess Charming. You can learn more about me at zibbyowens.com, but really, you're here to learn more about the authors, and that is what we're going to do. Also, be sure to check out all the other podcasts in the Zcast Podcast Network. You can learn more at zcastnetwork.com. Dot com and definitely check out those shows as well. Jamie Fiore Higgins is the author of Bully Market, My Story of Money and Misogyny at Goldman Sachs. This was guest hosted by Juliana Goldman of Mama Den. Jamie worked as a managing director at Goldman Sachs, one of just 8% of Goldman Sachs employees to earn the managing director title. She was the highest ranking woman in her department. An active member of the Women's Network Committee, Fiore Higgins spent her work days running the trainee and internship programs, recruiting and managing top equity clients and $100 billion in stock. Living in New Jersey with her husband and four children, she is a trained coach, works with teens to hone in on their leadership skills, high school and college graduates as they begin careers, and professional as they navigate the workforce, also those in midlife looking to reinvent themselves. Jamie Fiore Higgins, author of Bully Market, My Story of Money and Misogyny at Goldman Sachs. Thank you. 
Thank you for having me. Jamie, just to get started, I want to tell you how this book was about a lot of things, but the word that I just kept coming back to in my mind was how brave it was. And just brava to you for for calling out what you saw in a very open and honest way. Can you tell us and tell tell our listeners about Bully Market and what it's about? Sure. So Bully Market is about my 18-year career at Goldman Sachs. Um, I started right out of college undergrad. Uh, The big joke was I didn't even know really what Goldman Sachs did. I actually wanted to be a social worker. I had battled some health issues as a kid and really appreciated doctors and nurses and physical therapists and social workers. That's what I wanted to do. And my parents had different plans for me and I can't blame them, but they grew up in poverty and really wanted their kids to kind of make the kind of inroads they had financially pulling themselves out of poverty. So for them, the mantra was every generation has to do better. So my directive was get the best paying job possible. And um, in 1998, that was Wall Street. And then of course, if you wanted Wall Street, you really wanted Goldman Sachs. So um, I got there, 40 interviews, four zero, um, not knowing anybody. And I started my career there and I did very well. And I, I always like to say that I did well because I have a really good work ethic and I am smart, but I was really good at looking the other way and shutting up. And so what I observed was during my career, having to do a lot of that which really went against my morals. Remember, I wanted to be a social worker. And in the end, the paycheck wasn't really worth the pain. And I risked almost losing my family, losing myself in the whole process, and finally found a way to kind of return to myself back again, which meant leaving Goldman Sachs. So this book is about my experiences and my exploration of why I endured what I endured there, why I perpetuated what I perpetuated, and how I think that we really need to do better for the next generation of working women. And I can't wait to get into all of that. Why did you write it in, like, why did you decide to write the book? A lot of people would have had your experience and said, okay, I'm just going to go put the past behind me. Why did you decide to write a first person account? It wasn't my plan when I first left. What I found myself doing, I was really fortunate that I had this kind of sabbatical to enjoy my kids. When I left Goldman, I had four kids ages seven and under, and I would share with people anecdotes. I was a bit of a unicorn because either the moms were kind of still working or a lot of the moms hadn't worked in quite a while. And so here I was 40 years old, stopped working and people would ask me why. And I would tell them little anecdotes about what I experienced. Don't get me wrong, knowing it was a little toxic, But seeing their incredulous reaction really kind of showed me how really it was pretty extraordinary environment. And then around me, Me Too was happening, all these other social justice movements. And I said, wow, we really live in a world now where there's an encouragement for authentic stories, which was the polar opposite of my experience at Goldman, because at Goldman, I was always kind of playing a part and lying and not being myself. So I said, you know, I'm going to just put it down. And I feel like this is really kind of going back to returning to myself. I was a shell of who I was when I left Goldman. I always felt like I had a muzzle on because I was always looking the other way, not speaking up, not articulating my concerns. And so now I'm kind of doing a complete 180, ripping it off and just 
putting it all out there because I really feel like our stories are more similar than different. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I'm not afraid of Goldman anymore. I'm not afraid of what anyone thinks of me. And I really do feel like my story is going to help more people than it's going to hurt me by maybe having some people who don't know me that well think less of me. I'm okay with that. And did you have to sign an NDA when you left or, or like, how did you get around some of the um, privacy issues or in the, in the book? So when I left Goldman, I left on my own. So there was no severance package or separation agreement with goodies that you usually have to sign your life away for those goodies. I did have a managing director contract. The language was pretty punitive, but I actually brought it to a lawyer and the view was that we are all entitled to talk about our experiences. So under her direction, and it was really aligned with what I wanted to do. I didn't want to use anyone's names. This Mm -hmm. isn't about shaming anyone. This is about just bringing to light the type of environments that happened at a lot of these large institutions. So since I did not use anyone's names, since I made composite characters, I compressed time for narrative pacing. That was all um, from my attorney's perspective within my rights. And then my publisher agreed as well. Going back, let's start to really dig into your experience. When did you feel like it started to change you? Was it 9-11? Was it before that? It really, the environment really started to change my character when I got promoted. I feel like, and I don't mean promoted to managing director per se, but first got my first manager position. I feel like, don't get me wrong, before that, I observed a lot of the nonsense on the desk. I like to call it the white noise of Wall Street, the kind of discriminatory comments, the sexist you know, jokes, all that stuff. But once I was seen as a threat, that's when I really feel like the 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 kind of abuse towards me, the ante was upped. And then therefore the request from Goldman Sachs was for me to shut up. And that's when I really felt like, okay, Jamie, now you're in the big leagues. In order to survive, you not only have to deny the bad things that happened to you, but then also when women would come to me with their own complaints, yeah. I was advised, listen, you could support her, but then it's your head or hers. Who are you protecting? Well, young kids at home, I protected myself. So I really feel like as I ascended the ranks, that was kind of the almost erosion of my morals. And when that, you had just suffered a miscarriage, right? And there was a pretty powerful moment where you said that there was part of you that was kind of relieved that you had, that you didn't have children and you had this promotion. And I felt like that was so relatable for any woman who, you know, who, who wants to have kids, but also is on a, 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 a a career trajectory. Yeah, that's right. So my first pregnancy ended in miscarriage early on. I had to take just a couple days off of work for a procedure. And I got called into an office that next day that I was back and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be in trouble. And I was offered this manager position, but my my partner said, you know, I hope there's not going to be any distractions, right? And, you know, he, you know. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Yeah, wink, wink, nod, nod. And, and. I had this kind of twisted thought that I was like, glad I wasn't pregnant. Yeah. Because it was almost like that's in my sick, twisted mind. And in that environment, it was like that was the price that had to be paid. That was the sacrifice. 
my feeling was if that pregnancy had stuck, maybe I would not have gotten that initial manager promotion. I'll never know. Right. But it also, I think, then speaks to the world and the culture that you were just getting sucked deeper into. Um, When I think about these kind of cultures, it feels like quicksand, you know, and you just get, it's hard, it's hard not to be brought down. Yeah. Yeah. I think because not only are you making good money and for my family, that was a really big deal. I talk about making them proud, but also just the prestige of it all. Like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, you know, I was like, look at my kid sister working at Goldman Sachs. And how did she get a job at Goldman Sachs? It was a job everyone wanted. So, you know, you're being treated poorly. You have to treat others poorly, but at the same time, you're filled with so much pride because of what you're contributing to your family. It just puts you in a very difficult situation. Totally. And even once you had children, it just like ignited that hustle fire even more you you write about. Yeah. Because I felt like, well, now, you know, in those early years, I felt like I was making sacrifices for my family of origin. Well, now it was like I wanted to provide for the family I was creating with my husband. So, you know, if I was giving up on hardly seeing them, I talk about how I had wanted to um, use the lactation rooms to oh. pump for them. And I was based, I was advised that that wouldn't be a good decision for my career. And so I had this line, I'm like, well, what, you know, what's the best way to provide for your kids? Bonuses, you know, mm-hmm. bonuses, not breast milk. And so I really, really wanted to focus on it. I think part of me to make me feel okay with all that I was giving up as a mother, well, at least I'd have this to show for it. I would have this title. I would have this career. When you talk about the lactation rooms, that reminded me of some, like this one thread throughout the book that was so uncomfortable, which was the times that you would go to HR or employee services and there would be like a back channel back to your management or back to your boss. So when you went and requested the lactation room, your boss said, oh, I hear you need the lactation room you need to be on the trading floor. Yeah, yeah. And and I really think that situation really shows the kind of smoke and mirror campaign that happens at some of these large organizations. Because I do believe when I signed up for the lactation rooms and it, spur, it ended up on some person in HR's checklist, I'm sure she told my boss to follow up with me because the firm said we want to support her, right? Right, Like, I think that was really probably what that person thought that he or she was doing. But at the same time, it had the complete opposite effect. So it's that kind of, they have these processes in place. They have these people focused on this cause, but yet in reality, the opposite happens. And then later after your fourth child, right, you came back and colleagues were mooing at you when yeah. you went back to pump yeah. and well and and at that point you were i mean you could i'd love for you to talk about this a bit yeah. more but empowered to say that you were going to do this on your on your own terms because after your first maternity leave you were like okay i, I just am not going to breastfeed anymore that's i right. can't i can't do this that's right and so when i had my fourth it was kind of like this is it like this is my opportunity to kind of have this experience and Goldman has these lactation rooms and damn it, I'm going to use them. I'm going to use them like they're supposed to be used. So at that point, you know, other things that happened in my career that I was feeling a little more confident that like I didn't care what they thought. 
And so I did use a lactation room and my partner never said anything to me. But when I first started using them, I would find trinkets at my desk, milk cartons, a little stuffed cow, which was supposed to be a gift for my daughter. And then when I would get up, they would moo at me, you know, gesture like the whole bit. And when I would get to that lactation room, when I finally got to those lactation rooms and used them, I noticed how they were really empty. Yeah. So that it made me think, wow, there's a lot of women who are making the same decision I did. Yeah, that's such an interesting observation. It, it's such a broy culture. And you you write really honestly about navigating that broy culture and figuring out how to fit in. And you you alluded to this before, but you know, when when other women would come to you and say, okay, how do I how do I deal with this? Like this manager is taking these guys to strip bars, but he's not doing anything for us. You said, you know, maybe he has something different planned for the women. And you write, I tried to believe my words, but I knew better. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was always that kind of hard bit for me because there was still that part of me that 22 year old who wanted to be the social worker, who wanted to help people, who wanted to support people. But yet, you know, I, but I would, I would lie because I knew really what was going on. And so in order, what I found was in order to be successful at Goldman and to rate, like rise to those ranks, it was a lot about assimilation. It was Mm -hmm. basically just parroting and going along with whatever the person in power said. So even though I was a woman and on some level, a role model for these younger women, I really wasn't bringing my own sensibilities and perspectives to the table because anytime I tried to, I was pushed back and I was, so I had to toe the party line. Have you gone back to any of these women and apologized or, or talked to them about your this shared experience? Yeah, a couple women have reached out to me and and the, the, the reactions were, were were a little different. One was almost relieved because when she heard about what happened to me and how when I eventually did go to HR, when I finally did complain, how, as you had remarked, like there were back channels and I kind of got in trouble for it. This one woman reached out to me. She goes, oh my gosh, now I understand what happened to my career. Like oh. I was so confused. Like I I was experiencing this harassment. I didn't know what to do. She, she didn't work for me at the time. I didn't know at the time she had gone to HR. She had, we hadn't talked. I had known something was going on without telling me she went to HR. She said, Jamie, six months later, my reviews went down and six months later I was fired. And I always wanted to figure out like how I failed them. Like I tried so hard for this other woman. She had asked for my help and I tried to an extent you know, right. I, I went to bat for her. She was getting harassed by a male colleague. I went to bat for her. I was told she was just a drama queen. I pushed back a little bit more. And I was told, listen, you have to stop helping these people or you know what, like it's going to cost you. Mm-hmm. And I'm calculating your bonus right now. So think again. And for her, she felt that I really did let her down. Mm -hmm. And so she was supportive. She's like, I'm really happy you wrote this book. And I'm glad to see that, you know, these conversations are happening, but I got to remind you what happened to me and to that, you know, and, and I, and I owned it because what I, what I did was wrong. I'm just so glad I wrote the book though, because now I really understand why. 
yeah. and the kind of bigger themes that were at play. Yeah, no, I, I'm sure there's, you know, there's catharsis and there is ownership. One of, you know, going back to this theme of bravery, you wrote also about an affair, your affair with a, a boss, right? Talk about why you felt it was important to include that and also important to include the detail as well. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. So for me, this book was really an exploration of how large organizations wield their power and how in order to survive and thrive in some of these organizations, you really have to change who you are. So for me, if I'm going to shine a light on this, I want to shine a light in every corner and crack. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want it just to be what I endured, but also the things that I did. And, you know, my biggest, my biggest regret was the infidelity. And I felt like I needed to go there because mm-hmm. it would have been disingenuous for me not to, because that really was the moment that I, you know, people say, well, when's the moment that you knew it was time to leave. It was when my daughter called me when I was in the middle of carrying on with this guy. I mean, that's really the moment. So I have to say all of it. And I think that's really important because you can't just tell some of it. I think if you're really going to talk about how your morals and your character unravel, you have to talk about every bit of it because that's the point in these corporate situations, Juliana, it's not just about work. It's all encompassing in your entire life. Right. So that I really think is important to illustrate because it's not just, okay, yeah, you know, you, you can't be that type of person at the office that doesn't help out women when they're getting harassed or assaulted and then go home and be this like happy go lucky spouse and mother. It takes its toll and it bleeds. And, you know, what I found too, even in my responses from my readers, I've heard from so many partners of people who work in these kind of high power jobs, whether in finance or consulting or law, and they've said to me, I understand my partner more 
Because mm. now I understand what they endure every day right. and how that's kind of eating away at them and why they're acting the way they are at home. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like one of the people in your audience for this book was your husband? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, he's been, he's been support. I would have never, you know, going back to the question about the attorney and stuff and making sure I was like, you know, you know, bulletproof in terms of Goldman, my biggest people were my parents, my siblings, and my husband Mm -hmm. and making sure that they were okay with it. And, you know, Dan really went through a lot. I mean, for a guy who never even worked in their offices, that place had such an effect on his life. So he's been nothing but supportive. And I'm so grateful for him and for our marriage therapist who really helped him and me understand that that infidelity had nothing to do with him or that guy. It was just an escape for a strung out woman who was jamming her, you know, square peg into a round hole every day, day in and day out for 18 years. And she just snapped and it was a bad choice. And it could have been, it could have been other bad choices. It just happened to be the bad choice of this man. You talk about that escape with your work husband in the book, Pete. Yes. Um, And I, I always felt like it was leading up to something and I don't want to give too much away, but I thought that this was a really a fascinating storyline because for anyone who's worked in this kind of corporate environment, you know, you have like your work wife, your work husband, it's it's platonic, but, but there is like a real camaraderie of being in the trenches together. Have you heard from him since this book came out? I have not. I never heard. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I talk about how our relationship kind of unraveled in the book. I did reach out to him that following holiday season, wrote a letter, trying to reconnect, never heard back. And so um, I do, you know, Google stalk him (laughs) and uh, he's doing what he wanted to do Mm -hmm. away from finance, away from Goldman Sachs. So I can only hope he's happy because I certainly am. Yeah. being away from there. So for women in finance, what do you think, you know, we're at this time now, we're five years after Me Too, almost three years since the start of the pandemic. Like, what do you think has changed or has anything changed for women in this industry? I think some things have improved. In my book, I talk about an assault that happened to me. I would like to think today that would not be tolerated at all. I have, though, heard from hundreds of people since my book have come out, many of them women, that a lot of these themes still are happening, especially issues around motherhood. Yeah. You know, motherhood being a disease, issues about HR and not um, being supportive. I mean, even, you know, I've had some women's groups at different firms reach out and want me to speak. And then guess what? it gets pulled because of different pressures they're under. So to me, I find it so fascinating that even when these women want to join together and have a conversation to talk about it, they're being silenced now from it. You know, I'm not being silenced anymore, but they're being silenced. So, you know, do I think the bigger you know, issue. Yeah, but then I I, I laugh because a, a couple friends of mine were at a conference a couple months ago and they were still going to strip clubs. So a lot of this stuff is still alive and mm-hmm. well. What concerns me the most is the 
reluctance to talk about it. Yeah. Because if we don't talk about it and share perspectives, that to me shows the bigger powers at play that really don't want to make a change. Well, and I think there, and I I talk about this a lot, but I I think there is such power in personal narrative. And when when um, I've talked openly about my experience in TV news, and I know you talk about this in response to bully market, there is just so much power in people having their experiences and feelings validated, yes. and it empowers them to be able to speak up and push for change. I mean, that was, that's the Me Too movement. Exactly. That is how change happens. Exactly. And so I'm hopeful. I mean, I've heard, like I said, from all these women who like feel more empowered to ask for things, who are banding together with other women. I talked a lot in my book about in my time at Goldman, the women, it was almost a zero sum game where for one woman to succeed, another woman had to lose there was a structure in place that kind of made women forced a minority, you know, so um, you couldn't help one another. I think that's changing. And I think certainly people are starting to pay attention. And I've seen a lot of great commitments from some firms. I just wish, you know, kind of looking back and say, wouldn't it have been great if Goldman had said, wow, Jamie, this is quite a book. Let's have lunch. Let's talk about it. They just hired a new person in their, you know, HR department. Like, wouldn't that have been an amazing opportunity to come, you know, talk about it, to really put situations on the table? Mine's a unique story. I'm not suggesting every woman at Goldman Sachs has had that story or every woman on Wall Street, but it happens enough that I wish these large organizations would respond to these stories with a curiosity Mm -hmm. to explore it and try not to repeat history. Mm -hmm. Totally. But that acknowledges a problem. Yeah. So one other, I'd love to talk about, you know, this, your identity was wrapped up Mm. in your career and your life at Goldman Sachs. And it like, you know, one day that ended and you write a bit about kind of now figuring out yourself, where you belong, a mother of four kids, like right after you leave, you're dealing with puke, oh, diarrhea, like your like kid's stomach, stomach flu. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You're like, maybe I should be back at work. But what advice do you have for women it's who have children and are trying to figure out how to marry this ambition with their what they feel they owe to their family and to their identity as a mother? Mm-hmm. How did you navigate that? So... When I left Goldman, I was so depressed because it was like, even just being a managing director at Goldman, even though I never really bragged about it or anything, it just filled me with pride. That's what I was. Mm -hmm. That was kind of what validated me, you know? And then I felt like I was lost without it. And so then I said, okay, well, I got four kids. I'm going to throw myself into that. And then I'll never forget that first fall, which is usually the time of Goldman Sachs review season. I said to my husband, I think I need my first mom review. He's like, what? I'm like, well, I'm home. I think I need to figure out how I'm doing. And he's like, okay, well, like, what are your, like, what are we analyzing you on? I thought about it for a second. I'm like, oh my God, what do I analyze myself on? My kids' grades or like, that's bad. Like, that's like, that's like not good. And so what I realized is as women, we throw ourselves into these roles, Mm -hmm. spouse, mother, worker, 
And we don't even carve out kind of for who we want to be in this world, Mm -hmm. you know? And so for me, my kind of journey as an author was I have to carve something out for myself. That's just mine. That has nothing to do with my partner. That has nothing to do with my kids. That even has nothing to do with a paycheck. Like, what is it? And, and so for me, I started writing and I started taking writing classes. And, and so my advice to women, because this is a problem women face, whether they work outside the home or not, because then I have friends who kids go off to college and they're like, what's my identity? It's like, we have to make sure we have an identity that is completely independent from any person or organization. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that happens with, you know, creating something new for yourself, maybe if while you're working, or even if you are working, making sure you have a healthy boundary between who you are and what you do. So meaning right now, like I'm a creative, I'm a writer, I like to talk and have conversations that can be monetized or not. So when you approach your workplace, be like, hey, you might work for XYZ firm, but you really work for yourself, Mm -hmm. most importantly. And you have that skill set and you have that knowledge base that is, you know, right now working out for your employer, but also could be transferred to five other employers at any given time. So I think part of it is also just a mindset, thinking of yourself as an independent entity and making sure you are doing things that align with the interests and the values of that independent entity, whether or not you get paid for it or not. Mm-hmm. I love that CEO of self. It's great. CEO of self. Well, Jamie Fury Higgins, uh, real quick, what's next for you? Is there a sequel? Is Bully Market coming to a theater near you? Oh, who knows? Maybe Bully Market will come to a theater near me someday. That would be cool. Right now, I'm really just enjoying any opportunity to spread the message and themes of the book, talking to amazing people like you. I'm in London. I'm going to be talking at a panel at the Financial Times conference about culture and banking. But while I was writing the book, I also got my coach training. Mm. So I work with professionals, women, men, all ages, all stages to kind of work on making sure that what they do aligns with who they want to be. Great. Again, in the workplace, at home, in hobbies. So kind of any work I can do with my clients, speaking to you, I think that what I learned most, I mean, I learned so many things from Goldman Sachs, but my big takeaway was I was successful because of who I was, not because any one firm, any one person. I think that that really resonates with a lot of employees today. I think a lot of employees say feel stuck in their mm-hmm. careers. And so I really enjoy working with them and getting them unstuck as Fantastic. well as just talking about the book. And I really appreciate your time. And if people want to feel unstuck, do you have a website where they can find you? Yeah, it's jamiefiorihiggins.com and there's a contact me and all that stuff. All right, fantastic. Well, Jamie Fiore Higgins, thank you again. And thanks for your bravery. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.